0: I'm Printer, and this is The Motivated Classroom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Motivated Classroom. I am really excited today because it is the first interview for The Motivated Classroom. Uh, well, let's call it more of a chat more of a chat. So today I am joined by Sukena Tharou, who is one of my colleagues here at the International School of Lausanne. How are you, Sukena?
1: I'm very well, thank you, and very excited to be here.
0: Thank you so much for joining me. It's great to have you here in the studio. So nice not to be here on my own. (laughs) So Sukena was born in France, but brought up in the UK and is originally from Madagascar, but of Indian ancestry. So as you can see, there is so much knowledge and skills and multilingualism to tap into there. Now, Sukaina speaks 11 languages, is that right?
1: That's right, uh, but I speak none of them well, <laughs> I would say. <laughs>
0: I think I would, I would definitely refute that because <laughs> uh, I know that she speaks lots of them very, very well. I think you're being tough on yourself. <laughs> I have had both of Sukena's children in my classes and they are amazing linguists, so I can testify to her skills at her in her home, that's for sure. So Sukena, you've taught in what countries already?
1: Um, so I've taught in England, Kenya, Tanzania... Tunisia and now Switzerland.
0: Brilliant. Okay. Sukena is also a workshop leader and school visitor for the International Baccalaureate and is a member of their team evaluation group and a chair for the Council of International Schools. She's also an absolutely fantastic English as an additional language teacher and French teacher. And she's also the home language coordinator here at the International School of Lausanne. So just a wealth of experience when it comes to multilingualism. And I'm so privileged and happy that you work with me here in this school. And so what we're going to talk to Sukena about today is multilingualism and linking it a little bit to motivation and why we think it's important. This is something that is close to my heart and I think definitely close to Sukena's heart as well. And it's something that I feel we need to make sure we do more of is encouraging and promoting this multilingualism. So in the last episode, we spoke a little bit about competence and how we can make children feel like they're able to do it. That key aspect in motivation, one of those three basic psychological needs, autonomy, relatedness, and then competence. So we get. I talked a little bit about how you can give students belief, how they can feel like they can achieve something in your class. And for me, when I think about multilingualism, this is something really important because we want to make students feel that they can get to a stage where they're multilinguals and also that they're proud of that when they get there as well. So that's that's the kind of links to last week. But of course, we always start with a little bit Irish. So today, the Irish is very, very simple. Well, it's not too simple because it's quite long. The day, today, the word in Irish is moshe the hele. Moshe the hele means please. <laughs> So it's a big, long phrase. It's actually four words. "Mosh é, e, dó, hél a e. I don't know, five words, excuse me. And that means please in Irish. So we'll come back to that again at the end. So now I'm going to go over to Sukaina, and we're going to talk a little bit about multilingualism and why it's important. And I guess I'd love to know as well, why did you feel it was something that you really wanted your children to become multilingual? And how did you go about that in your house?
1: That's a good question. So multilingualism is very important to me. I wrote a dissertation on it a couple of years ago, so I could talk about it for hours. But going back to my own history, I moved to England at the age of eight, and English was my fifth language at the time. And that was a time when it wasn't popular to be a foreigner, and it certainly wasn't a matter of pride for me that I spoke four languages other than English. On the contrary, I was embarrassed and I didn't fit in, and I felt this deep sense of being out of place and having no belonging. And so having gone through that experience, I felt like... It was my calling to reach out to other students or other kids in that position and to make them feel like their languages were an asset and not knowing English was not a deficit. But on the contrary, that they could use their home languages to build on and to really valorize them in the classroom.
0: And like, how did you go about trying to instil those values in your children that they grew up not feeling like that, that they were actually proud of those languages they had?
1: So, I go back to the way I felt when my parents were enforcing that we don't speak English at the table, um, you know, when we were in primary school and learning. And my siblings and I would constantly try and revert to English to try and practice at home and show off our newly acquired skills. But actually, they insisted that we spoke in Gujarati at the dinner table. And at that time, I distinctly remember protesting in my mind and feeling really strongly about it that no I wanted to speak English but because I felt like they didn't know what was at stake for me and they didn't know what it felt like to be the loser who didn't speak English but now when I look back I really appreciate the fact that not only were they such risk takers and role models in learning new languages themselves but I'm really grateful that they did insist on speaking these languages at home because now I see the value And so. My children know this, obviously, and they see what an asset it is to have the languages that I speak. And I think they learn as they observe.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I suppose the fact that we work in an international school, we like to think that we promote all languages equally and everything is great. And there's 70 languages being spoken around. But I think in reality, Most people are in that similar situation that they want to get really good at English because they feel like that's what they need. And they sometimes feel a little bit nervous or apprehensive about showing off that they speak Dutch or Greek or Arabic in around the school walls. And it's something that I would love to hear more of all those different languages around. What kind of things do you think we could do or what kind of things do you try and do in your classes to help students feel you know what, it's really cool that you speak all these different languages, like why not use them? Do you have any ideas of how to help people?
1: Yeah, so there are some really obvious and simple ways, like for example, learning to say hello in each of the languages of your students. It's an instant way to let them know that you see them and that they matter to you. And that little bit of effort can really go a long way in lowering their affective filter and increasing motivation. Um, The other thing that is spoken about a lot in the language teaching circles is translanguaging, of course. The meaning of that is to bring home languages into the curriculum and to use those languages as a means to delve deeper into concepts and content. Um, Erwin Crisfield talks about this and suggests that one way to do this is to vary the language of input, processing and output in the learning cycle, and Garcia also talks about this and says that where EAL learners might ordinarily be treated as deficient when English is the language of instruction, suddenly translanguaging enables teachers to make this content rigorous and m- make these English language learners the experts by allowing them to have that mental processing in their home language.
0: Yeah, that's so important. I remember we attended together the ECIS multilingual conference and Jim Cummins was talking about not leaving your identity at the door. And that stuck with me when I heard that phrase. I was like, oh, gosh, I started to feel like, have I been doing that? Have I been forcing kids to leave their language and identity at the door? Because, of course, as second language teachers or, you know, fifth language teachers or foreign language teachers, whatever term you wish to use. We want students to be immersed in the language that we're teaching. But it's so important to allow that translanguaging piece, but also to kind of make them feel proud of it. So if they say, oh, this is how I say it in Turkish, to be like, wow, that's really cool. That sounds awesome. Can you teach us a little bit more? Mm. Those types of little things as well, I feel, are really, really important. Do you feel like, Teaching in this translanguaging way and trying to use home languages is something that all of us could try and do. I mean, we're in an international school, but in any state school anywhere, kids are going to speak and hear other languages in their houses, no matter or in the street or wherever it may be. Is it something we could all try and do?
1: Definitely. And I think that we, by capitalising on this wealth of languages that is spoken in our classroom, we don't have to speak those languages to value them and to bring them in. Because just by citing, like you say, those similarities and differences that we notice, we make them aware of the semantics and give them that metalinguistic awareness that really will help them in learning a second language. In fact, related to that is a longitudinal study done by Thomas and Collier, where they tracked the achievement of 200,000 English language learners over a period of 20 years, And they came up with three important um, conclusions, which were that immigrant students in the U.S. public schools who had been exposed to early education in their home language outperformed early immigrants who had only received education in English, number one. Secondly, that schooling in the home language has a much more significant effect on their achievement than their socioeconomic status. And that the strongest predictor of a student's achievement in a second language is the amount of formal education they had had in their home language. So for international schools, that has huge implications. And it tells us exactly what kind of programmes we need to provide for our language learners to succeed.
0: It's absolutely fascinating, like just fascinating, that that importance of home language and trying to boost that as much as we can, because, yeah, I've read some other things now at conferences as well. I've heard about, you know, the, the fact that when we use that home language more, it, it's helping those kind of neural pathways as well. And there's exactly. the cognitive science part that we are actually opening up new pathways. And And the study I looked at was actually done in, in Ireland and it was to do with geography and mathematics. But it was that students who had been uh, receiving a lot of home language or in this case, it was to do with Irish, that they'd got Irish in their home. That actually those students outperformed those other students who didn't have that Irish in the home when it came to geography and mathematics as well. So we're not just talking about second languages, we're talking about other cognitive things as well. Yeah, that's that's really fascinating. So when it comes to motivation, because I'm sorry, but you know, this is all about motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I'd love to know your thoughts about how we can motivate students to be multilingual. How What kind of things can we help them or say to them to try and make them feel, you know what, I can become multilingual?
1: I think one of the things that you talked about in... Uh your previous podcast episode was about how you bring in your own personal experience and things about your own life. And I think it really is valuable for them to hear real life experiences of polyglots or multilinguals and see, especially in an environment like Switzerland, which has four official languages, they can really see the value of that. But um, giving them our own reasons for learning Things like wanting to travel and curiosity and enjoying the sounds of diverse languages and things like that. I think it really is empowering for them to see.
0: And I think, you know, and thank you, Sukaina, for mentioning previous episodes. Very Mm -hmm. well done. Um, I think that actually when I think about multilingualism and if we break it down into autonomy, competence and relatedness as motivation, That competence piece, if we can instill in the learners that when you bring some of your um, Italian or you bring some of your Catalan into my class... Well, actually, it sounds really cool. I like it. I think it's great that you do that. Their competence goes up and they think, oh, yeah, this is a good thing. So we're increasing that competence. The relatedness is there because they feel like you care about them. And autonomy, of course, they have the autonomous part that they have an interest in it. They speak it in their homes. And I, I think that that term actually of home language is really important because some students might speak you know, one language to mum, one to dad, one to sister, and they might speak something else when they're playing football. So it's exactly. it's an important term, right? Yep,
1: yep. And as you, that reminds me of another point that Cummins mentioned is that um, when students' language backgrounds are not valued and promoted, then their identities can become infested with shame. And I can definitely attest to that. But It really is a powerful message to schools because it's explicitly saying that to reject a child's language is essentially to reject that child. So we need to keep in mind that when a child is enrolled at our school, then the whole child must be accepted culturally and linguistically, and that each aspect of that child's identity should be nurtured and allowed to flourish to its full potential.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And it's something that I have to say, you know, I am actively trying to work on this part of my teaching for sure, because that piece, I do think as 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 second language teachers or as foreign language teachers, we get bogged down in thinking I've only got 80 minutes. I must do that 80 Mm -hmm. minutes entirely in the target language and only about this culture. Whereas the reality is, is if we bring in their home language and allow them, if you have two Greek speaking students in your class, And you allow them in a little part of the class to engage in Greek, even if it's just for 30 seconds to explain what was just going on. Their competence goes up. They feel better about it. And it's not something we should fear, right?
1: Absolutely. And Chris Field, in fact, talks about it and says that it can be planned. Yes, where you put a lot of effort into, you know, varying the language of processing and input and output. But it can also be serendipitous where you just spontaneously tell them, "Okay, go and chat to your elbow partner about what we just talked about in your home language.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's so powerful. I I did an activity the other day that I I would encourage some uh, teachers to have a go at. And again, even if you are listening to this and you're teaching in a public or private school in the UK or in Ireland or in the States and you think, well, all my students just speak English, I think you'll be surprised that they have other languages in their lives. I just ask my students to stand up and if they were able to have a basic conversation in any other language... To just start walking around the room with their hands behind their back, masks on, of course, socially distanced, but just speaking basic sentences in that language. And if they found someone who had the same language, they had to stop and then try and engage that person a bit. And it was lovely because, for example, there was a Dutch girl and a Belgian girl and they had no idea that they shared Flemish or Dutch, you know, they're very similar languages. And they just suddenly were like... You could see that they were smiling through their masks, you know, <laughs> even though kids don't wrinkle and we do, we can tell when we're smiling, but you could see that there was something happening there. And I said, what, what's going on here? And she said, oh, I never knew that we could both actually speak that I didn't know. I thought she spoke French in her That's house amazing. and it was wonderful and it was just a nice, easy way for them to figure out who speaks other languages. And the bit I felt I had to be careful with was, of course, there was one or two who said, oh, I only speak English. And that might be true for some students. But then I tried to say to them, but that's OK. You're here now in Spanish class. You're now learning another language. OK. And you're going to learn lots of other things. And then I asked them, this was actually from one of my colleagues who talked about programming. I said, you know, do you like video games? And they were like, yes. And I said, well, that's actually a language in itself. That's you're true. kind of learning about how to do things. So there's all those opportunities I feel is important. So Sukaina, obviously you're someone who speaks all sorts of languages. And by the way, if you listen to this podcast regularly, the intro I got loads of different staff here together to do um, to do like a little hello in the language in German, in French, in Italian. And when Zukaina came, she she did one or two, and then she went. Do you want this one? And will I do this one? And will I do this one? <laughs> so she ended up doing about seven or eight of those intro clips. So thank you, Zukaina, for the intro clips. You're very welcome. It was brilliant. So could you maybe is there any positive things that have happened in your life about multilingualism that you'd like to share with the listeners?
1: I can share something that happened very recently yeah. where I came across an Instagram account where all these little phrases are shared in Gujarati. And they were quirky, quirky expressions and, I guess, idioms that I thought my parents had made up when we were growing up. No way. And it was just amazing to know that there are other people in cyberspace who share these weird lingo expressions and who get me. Um, so it was this real feeling of relatedness where I just thought, wow, that's... That's incredible. incredible.
0: And there you go. That's exactly that motivation piece. You can't see Sukena, but she's smiling really, really widely here. So, yeah, that's incredible, that relatedness piece. And I think that is where the multilingualism aspect comes in because you can suddenly relate to more people. And that's one of those aspects of motivation, which is which is really, really key. So I guess one other thing that might be useful for people who are listening to this is, is there things we can do outside the classroom, but kind of inside the school? And uh, to try and show the students that we value your home language. We value that you speak uh, Arabic. We value that you speak different languages at home. And we want to celebrate that not only for the cognitive um, benefits of it, but also for all of the social aspects and the motivation aspects. Do you have any ideas about what schools might do?
1: Yep. Um, so one of the main things that I think we really need to do is to populate our libraries with books that are representative of our students, of their needs and their cultures. And this includes the what we call low status languages not just the European languages that are so easily found but to really make an effort to seek out different um, languages that represent our students and then obviously also the visibility of home languages around the school with signage and things like that for students to know that all languages are welcome in this building and are can be used for learning and that they're not learning in this experiential vacuum where only English is valued.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Well, thank you so much, Sukaina, for that conversation. Absolutely fascinating. So next week is a really exciting week for the podcast. It's our first Q&A session, Questions and Answers, where I would love to answer some of your burning questions about motivation, engagement, language teaching, Yes, you can submit a question about astrophysics or about something else, but I probably won't be able to answer it for you. But I have, I'll have a go at everything else. So just find Liam Printer or the motivated classroom on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or just email me and I'll use some of those questions in next week's podcast. So we are going to finish, as always, with our little bit of Irish. So our Irish today was Moshe the Helle. Do you remember what it means? Please? Yes, yes. Maashe the Helle is please. So if you could remember that one, you should all be picking up bits of Irish each time. Thank you for listening to The Motivated Classroom. The Motivated Classroom podcast is an original production by Liam Printer. I'm at Liam Printer on Twitter, and my YouTube channel is Liam Printer, The Motivated Classroom. Full podcast notes with links to resources are available on my website, liamprinter.com. For more, find and follow The Motivated Classroom podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Graphics and music are provided by Paul Mahan. Intro clips are thanks to the wonderful multilingual staff at the International School of Lausanne.